So in the month of June, we were in a series covering different practices of the church, uh, some of the things that God has given to us to, to do, and we do these things regularly and um, to where if someone were to become a part of a Christian community, they would be able to observe some of the practices and, uh, and hopefully ask questions, you know, why do you guys do this, why do you do this, why do you do this, um, and so we started off with the fact, just the fact that we gather regularly, where that comes from in the Bible and why we do it, and what, what's the point of us meeting together with regularity. We, we looked at prayer, we looked at the Lord's Supper, and uh, just what that means, and so all those podcasts are up. Uh, and then we had Fourth of July weekend, and then we had the Sunday after Alton Sterling was killed, and then we had last Sunday with the police officers we're under attack, and so uh, July, we've not really been able to continue down that path of the series, and so I'm trying to adjust a little bit. Tonight, we're going to talk about baptism. Now, baptism is not quite like the other ones in terms of like our church in particular. Uh, you'd have to come for a while before you see us baptize somebody, uh, and that's not, we're not, that's not by design. That's just by re- request. You can only baptize people when they're asking to be baptized, and that just doesn't happen very often, and so you know, it's just not something that uh, in the last you know, couple of years has been a regular thing. But I think that it's going to become more regular, especially with a lot of these kids coming along and that kind of stuff. And maybe even after this sermon, we'll see. So in terms of exploring baptism, I kind of went through different, different ways to structure it. And kind of just went with the, I'm going to answer some questions that, that you hear a lot and that I hear a lot or that are you know, posed. And so maybe through the answering of these five questions... Um, maybe we'll cover some of that. So here are the five questions, if you're curious. Uh, what role does baptism play in salvation? Number two, what is the meaning of baptism? Number three, who should be baptized? Number four, if I'm unsure about my baptism, what should I do? And then the last one, why is baptism important? Okay, so those are the five things. We'll get right down to it. We're going to get to Romans 6 in a minute, but we'll cover some other scriptures along the way. Um, so the first one, what, what role does baptism play in salvation? This has been a watershed issue in the history of the church for a long time, and still is. And there have been uh, just lots of divisions and lots of uh, denominations and branches of Christianity that have kind of argued about this for a while. And, um, this is, might be an oversimplification for some, but really you kind of have the Roman Catholic answer to the question, you have the Protestant answer to the question. Roman Catholic Church uh, puts the scriptures and the authority of the Pope and the history of the church kind of in the same level of authority. And so their position would, would say that in regard to salvation, that baptism um, is, uh, is a regenerating act. That that is, when, that is how you are saved, is when you're, ba- when you're baptized, and it's necessary for salvation. And so that's where you have uh, their, their practice of infant baptism kind of comes from that belief of like, no, this is, through this act, you are regenerated, you come to life again, you are saved from your sins. And so as soon as possible, they want to baptize a little baby because you want to save that baby right away. 
And, and that makes sense whenever that's the perspective that you're holding in terms of salvation. Now, the Protestant view in general is that baptism is not a re- regenerating act in and of itself. And so it is not necessary for salvation. So the short answer to the question, as Protestants, this is not a Southern Baptist thing. This is more, more of a Protestant thing. No matter if you're like Methodists and Lutherans and Baptists and Presbyterians would all kind of be on the same page here, that no, baptism in and of itself is not regenerating in the way that Roman Catholics would say that it is. So you can see why this is a polarizing thing, because one group says it saves you, another group says it does not save you. And so uh, we're in the group that believes that the scriptures teach it does not save you. So the Roman Catholic Church will, will look at the authority of the Pope and the teaching of the scriptures and the, the tradition of the church and the different councils and things, and they put them all as three equal ways of God's authority being handed down. And the Protestants look at only the Bible. And so if you're looking at only the Bible, the Bible does not teach that salvation comes from uh, baptism. So here's, some, here's where we get that from. Ephesians 2. 8 and 9 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Okay, Not trying to pick a fight with my uh, Catholic friends, uh, but when, we, when you're looking at only the Scriptures as we are, you have passages like that. Let me read it again. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a, a result of works, so that no one may boast. So it doesn't say you're saved by grace through faith and baptism. You know, it's not, it's not grace and faith plus this other thing you have to do. It's just that. It's just the grace of God moving in your life. And empowering you and giving you the, the faith to like look at him and say, yes, you are what I need. You are the one who has come to save us from our sins. And so when we're talking about something as serious as salvation, we're talking about the fact that we were born broken and separated from God and headed down a path of eternal separation from God. And that God looks at you and looks at me and because of the great love that he has for us, he says, no, I, I don't want you on this eternal path of separation from me. I want you on the eternal path to me, with me, for me, from me, together, forever as a family on the new earth. And so God was saving us from one trajectory and putting us on another trajectory. But that was not something we could do in and of ourselves. And so if salvation was possible through our good efforts, then yes, get baptized. That verse says it's not your own doing, but baptism, in a sense, is your own doing. You're volunteering, as I said earlier, to get into the water. No one's making you get into the water. You're volunteering to get into the water. And so there's nothing we could do in and of our own efforts to change that trajectory. And so Jesus came... And the sin that had us separated, he 
covered that and bridged those two lives that we could cross from death into life, from a trajectory of separation to a trajectory of oneness with God. We have crossed over into that by grace through faith. It's because you believe it. And He has given you the grace to believe it. And so you are just kind of this... Be careful with my words here. You're a passive participant in a sense. That he initiated something that you responded to. And so you're passive in terms of the, like who initiated it. But you're active in terms of saying, like, no, I want, I want to follow Jesus. And so um, it's kind of this beautiful like, kind of a dance where he's, the, he's leading, but you're following. And that's how salvation works. And Ephesians 2 is very clear. You're saved by grace through faith. It's not of your own doing. It's a gift of God. It's not about your works. And baptism would be a work. It's not saying that works are bad. Works are great. But they don't save you. And so what role does baptism play in salvation? None. That's the shortest answer I can give. There are some some churches that will, if someone wants to become a follower of Jesus, even if it's three in the morning, They'll start waking people up and go to the church and baptize you because they believe that if you profess faith in Jesus but have not been baptized, then it's really not done yet. To the point of, if you were to not make it from wherever you were to the church to be baptized, that would be bad news. But then you have Luke 23. Jesus is hanging on the cross. He has the, thief on, the thieves on each side. And one of them, you know, they're kind of arguing about who Jesus is and... To the one who has faith in Jesus, he looks at him in verse 42, says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. He didn't say, dude, if only we weren't hanging on crosses and we could baptize you, then you'd be with me today in paradise. But, sorry man, aren't you glad? You know, Aren't you glad it's not... Grace and faith plus some, something that you have to do, whether it's baptism or giving a certain amount of money or never making a mistake again in your whole life or any sort of like good, good act, being a good person, all that. Aren't you glad it's not grace and faith plus something? It's just His gift. So the Scriptures do not teach that baptism is tied to your salvation. It does not play an active role in crossing you over from death to life. That only happens by the grace of God in your life and your belief in his believability that he is the redeemer of you and all of us together. So salvation is an incredibly incredibly important thing. And it's something that is too often assumed, you know. Too often assumed that people who are good and they're great people and they take care of others, and they do all these good works, that that means that when they pass away, it's like automatically to heaven. And so verses like this are very freeing, but they're also very concerning because our world kind of believes that way. You go to enough funerals and you hear enough, uh, enough people saying things about someone's eternal resting place, and as a believer, you're sitting there and you're being like, no one said the name of Jesus at all in this whole thing. So salvation is of the utmost importance to us. So I'm not at all trying to discount baptism. I think it's incredibly important. But it is not 
play an active role in our salvation? So that's the answer to the first question. What role does, does baptism play in salvation? None. Second question. Y'all with me? Everybody good? Okay. Number two, what is the meaning of baptism? Um, and that's I think, is a good question, not just because I wrote it down. Because it's like, okay, well, if it doesn't save you, then what's, what's going on there, really? You know, what's the, what's the point of this ritual, of this celebration, this ceremony that we participate in? And it's a lot like the, like the Lord's Supper. It's filled with imagery. You know, it's, it's multi-sensory. It's, it's one of the things that God has given us to put our hands to. You know, and I think, just don't mind, I hate this thing. There are, there are some things that are, where you see God's like wisdom and his sovereignty and just his goodness and knowing how we are. Like I love the fact that like we have like Bibles that we can hold, you know, that we can hold the word of God, that, that there's bread and juice here that we can approach and we can consume that. And that there's water that you get down into, like just the fact that it's like multi-sensory and you're, you're either experiencing it firsthand or you're watching it. And as it's happening, it's just it's different than a lot of the other things that we participate in. And water is not a random choice. All throughout the Bible, we see, we see water connected to times of crisis and judgment in the Old Testament. Even in creation, the, the very like, first things that we see about God, um, this won't be on the screen, uh, but it says in Genesis 1 verse 2, "...the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep." And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters without form. What does it mean when something's without form? It's just, it's, it's, it's fluid, it's, um, it's a little bit chaotic, it doesn't really make sense. And then, and then God begins to give order to things. And as He creates, the order in, in, like, increases. First He makes this, and so it kind of gives some structure, and He does this, and it gives it more structure. And everything just begins to like, structure out from there. That water, even in the very beginning, has this role of ordering, of like um, going from chaos into order, kind of bringing forth life from this. And so, water is very important. We see Noah and you know the all the his family and all the animals and stuff in the ark. And what happens there? They they build this big structure. They get into it, and the waters flood the earth, and they. Uh, are there for you know a while, and then the waters go back down, and they come out and they're safe. And so they pass through the waters of God's judgment safely. Moses, when his uh, when the decree came down to kill all the all the male babies, his mom put him in a basket and floated him down the river, and he ends up at Pharaoh's house. He passed safely through the waters of the Nile in inside of this you know basket deal, which is kind of like the ark. Um, when in the Exodus story, twice the Israelites go through a body of water on dry land. Um, there's water that comes out of rocks, you know, that God's providing for them. And there's just always this, this thing where it seems like water just shows up a lot. And so here we are in the New Testament, and water shows up. Because there's a, this picture of passing safely through the waters of judgment. Through the times of crisis, through... Um, through something that is very uncertain, and God uses water in some pretty cool ways. I'm sorry. So, Romans 6, that's where you are. So this is what baptism is a picture of. Look Romans 6, starting verse 1. What shall we say then? 
Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. In those verses, we see something that, that I think it's easy to miss about baptism. Now, baptism is uh, sometimes the water aspect of it. We tend to think of like cleansing and purity and those kinds of things. But here in Romans 6, and it's also in Colossians 2, we'll look at it in a second. Baptism is associated with, with the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. Look at it again. Look at verse uh, 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Okay, so here's the picture. is that Jesus died and was buried... And then was raised from the dead. So when someone is baptized, they are standing there in front of you. They are buried. They are submerged in the water. And then they are raised again like Jesus was. And so in part, what we're saying when we baptize someone, when someone steps into the water, is they're saying, I believe that Jesus died and was buried and was raised again. And that I am baptized into him. And so by being a part of him, it's like he's the ark. Or he's the basket. Or he's the dry land of the Exodus. That in him, I died. I was buried. I was raised to walk in newness of life. That I have passed through the waters of God's judgment safely. That he has crossed from death to life, and I have crossed from death to life through him. And so baptism is about the resurrection of Jesus. It's not primarily even about you or about me. It's about him. In Colossians 2, it says something similar. It says, In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, By putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Now the tie to circumcision is is that there is this outward sign in the Old Testament of that you're a part of the covenant community. And so that was, like, there's our ties to that in the New Testament of saying, so now instead of circumcision, now there is baptism. Like, that's the outward sign that you're part of this greater community. But there are a lot of differences between them, not just logistically different. There are a lot of differences symbolically as well. Uh, and so that those ties only, only go so far. So that's why he's talking about circumcision. It seems kind of random. But if you look at the second verse, Look at verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism, 
in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. So let's think about it like this. What's the meaning of baptism? The meaning of baptism is not necessarily about you having said yes to Jesus and you want everybody to know it. That is a, that's a part of it. That's on the list of things that are accomplished there. But that's not the primary thing that we see in passages like this. The primary thing that we see is that Jesus died. And as he was laying there dead, he needed... And stay on track with me here. He needed the power of God to raise him from the dead. He could not raise himself from the dead. That he submitted himself to death, and his life left him, and they took his body down from the cross, and they put him in a tomb, and they rolled the stone up there, and he could do nothing about it. He needed the power of God through the Spirit at work to raise him from the dead. That's what the verse says, verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him, through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. So essentially, when someone goes into the waters, they're saying, hey, I could do nothing about my death. I could not raise myself from the dead. Jesus could not raise himself from the dead. We both needed God to do something, to step in and to intervene. And so baptism is not primarily about you saying yes to Jesus. It's about God saying yes to you. And God saying yes to Jesus in his own death. God the Father looked at Jesus and said, I approve of your sacrifice. I am pleased with you. And I'm going to raise you from the dead. And he sent the power of the Spirit to breathe life back into Jesus and raise him from the dead. And you're saying, yeah, God did that with me too. He looked at me and I was helpless. And he stepped in and he raised me from the dead. So before we go thinking that baptism is primarily about us proclaiming what Jesus has done in terms of us saying yes to him, we have to get the order right and say, no, it's really about him saying yes to me. The public part of it, absolutely, like all those things are there, but we have to really understand. It's a picture of what it means to be the people of God. We're saying we all look the same way. When you look at that baptistry, we're saying that is exactly who we are. We're a whole covenant community of people who could not change our situation. And so Jesus brought us, brought us into himself, died, and by the power of God was raised from the dead. And by some absolute miracle and mystery, we get to be a part of it. So baptism is not about us. Baptism is a picture of what it means to be the people of God, which is to not make everything about being the people of God. It's all about God himself. So you're saying, this is what happened to Jesus, and by his grace, it happened to me too. That's, that's the meaning of baptism. It's a picture of our treasure, of our Savior, of our King, of our prophet, of our priest, of our friend, of our brother. That's why baptism is so beautiful. And so we can't get caught up in thinking that it's primarily about us. It's really about him. And Jesus would be the first to say that. So, there's a long answer to a short question. What's the meaning of baptism? Third question. We good? Am I cool? Okay. Who should be baptized? Again, 
stemming from the previous answer. If you, if you think about it, like if you're in agreement with the first point and the second point, um, the third point, who should be baptized? Well, only people who are alive should be baptized. Like that has to be your story, is that Jesus said yes to you and raised you from the dead. And so that's the, that's the requirement for who should be baptized, those who have been raised from the dead. In the Great Commission, Jesus sends us out. Verse, this is Matthew 28, starting in 18. says, Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So baptism and being a follower of Jesus, those things go together. And so this is sometimes where the, where the dividing line be, you know, kind of like comes, it becomes a little more uncomfortable in terms of infant baptism and, let's say, adult baptism, or baptizing little kids and baptizing people who are able to like, you know, are more articulate the gospel differently. Um, even the season of Lent in, in uh, like early church life, that was like 40 days of fasting and uh, 40 days of testing someone before they would baptize them on Easter Sunday. So they were not casual about baptizing people back in the day. And it was something where you had to prove it, you had to want it, especially when persecution was going on and there were people who would get baptized, they would come out of the water and they would be killed immediately. And so baptism was, is no joke. And it's for people who Jesus has said yes to, who God has said yes to, said, I'll, I've raised you from the dead. And so in our tradition, we don't baptize infants. You know, we have family dedication services where we take these little precious ones and we dedicate our, uh, our community and, the, and these parents to their discipleship and raising them. And it's all done in hopes that they will end up in that water. That's what we want. And in some ways, in some traditions, that's what infant baptism is too. They, just, they go about it through different semantics. And so not on the Roman Catholic side, but on the Protestant side, you do have traditions who, when you have a, a, a married couple who are both believers, they'll baptize the, the infant of believers. And it's like this welcoming into the community, which is really in some ways the same, way that we, same thing that we're doing when we do dedication. But for them, they use the term baptism, like baptism. And so they're being brought into the community and they're being raised uh, to like, follow Jesus and all those kinds of things. And, um, probably not the biggest thing in the world for us to be super divided about, honestly. It doesn't seem like something that's so clear in Scripture that we have to fight about it. Now, I would disagree on the, like, does it save you part of it, but if this is about this being a picture of the gospel and all these other things, then I'm not the first one to poke holes in other traditions and their beliefs and where those things come from. However, as a church, we have, we have held the position and will continue to hold the position that who should be baptized? Well, those who Jesus has said yes to and have responded to that in faith and so we, you know, it's, is it something where we're not going to baptize your infant, but we, we would baptize your seven-year-old or eight-year-old? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. 
Like we're going to we're going to guard the waters in a really like important and good way, not to keep people out of it, but to make sure that you know what's happening when you enter into them because of how significant it is, because of how important it is, because of the role that it plays. Um, so yeah, we're gonna we're we're in that camp of people who believe that uh, believe that baptism. Sorry. The camp of people who believe that baptism is for those who are professing to have responded to the yes of Jesus. And if that happens when you're 8, okay. If that happens when you're 18, okay. If that happens when you're 68, okay. But that is, that's where we are in our tradition, that it only makes sense that you can enter into the waters when that is, that is your actual story. So who should be baptized? Those who Jesus has said yes to and they heard it, and they said yes in return. Um, so the fourth question. If I'm unsure about my baptism, what should I do? You know, if Josh had just made me super weird because of the tradition I grew up in, then what am I supposed to do? What should I do about that? Should I, um, should I feel insecure about that? Should I wonder if it, quote-unquote, counts? You know, do I go and anger my parents by saying, hey, I'm kind of thinking that what y'all in faith did for me when I was a kid didn't really take. And so I kind of want to, you know, do I want to stir up the family with that? Do I, uh, do I want to, you know, all those kind of things. And I've been uh, around long enough and had enough conversations with people to know it is not as simple as you may think. Um, for some people, it's like, no, I need to get baptized. I've never been baptized. I need to, I need to get into the waters. Awesome. For others, though, it's a little more complicated. Sometimes you have people whose parents baptize them, and they're like, I don't know what to do with that. Other times, it's like, well, I was baptized when I was 8, but I didn't really understand the gospel until I was 15. And then I really started to understand it when I was like 24. But now that I'm like 38, it sort of is now making sense. So they're like, am I like a six-timer in the water? Like, how is that supposed to work? And um, You know, there's just so much that's there. And, and I've... This mic, it'll be the death of me. So what do you do if you're just unsure about your baptism? Uh, of course, the first thing that I'm going to tell you to do is you just need to pray. Like Jesus is the creator of baptism. Like he understands it. He made it up. He has a vision for it. He knows the role it's supposed to play. Um, he is not worked up about it with you probably, you know. So you need to really like make it something that you don't just push to the side. It's important. And so if for some reason, whether some of the examples I gave or some other ones, if you're insecure about it or you're unsure about it, then you need to, to really just like come bring it to him. Say, Lord, is this something I need to pursue or is this something that I need to just kind of let it, I'm fine, you know. I would follow that up by saying if you... If you're unsure or if you're not sure what he's really leading you to do or if you're pretty sure that he wants you to explore it more, set up time to talk about it. Like, let's get together. Let's have a conversation about your baptism. It's totally fine. Um, I personally am not, uh, I'm not this massive proponent of saying, if you are not baptized as an adult, you got to get rebaptized. You know, If you come from a tradition where you're baptized as an infant, that didn't count. you got to do it again. And you better do it again, or Jesus is going to be super upset with you. Uh, that's not it. That's not it. You know, it seems to be there seems to be enough variation in the scriptures 
and even through uh, the tradition of the church to for us to have grace with each other's upbringings and traditions. And so if Jesus is leading you, he's, if he's convicting you, if he's pressing that upon you, saying you, you, need, to, you need to enter the water, then, then you need to come talk to me about it. We need to talk about that. Um, but I don't think that's an automatic thing. And if you're worried about family tensions, you know, if, if, you're, if you were baptized as an infant and it was really driven by your parents' by their denominational beliefs and by their hopes and their dreams for you, then your baptism as an adult would just be the fulfillment of what they were hoping for when you were little. It'd be just like getting to baptize any of the kids that are dedicated here, where we dedicate them and we're saying, we hope they end up in the water. When they end up in the water, you're like, yes. You know? On that day when we surrounded them and we prayed, our hopes were, we were pointing in this direction. And maybe for your parents it was the same thing. And so maybe baptism for you as an adult is more of a, more of a confirmation than it is like a re-baptism or something like that. You know, we can mess around with terminology, but you just need to know if you are unsure about it, invite Jesus into it. And if you want to talk more about it, that's a part of, part of what like being a community is supposed to happen is we're supposed to be able to talk to one another about those things. Um, what you don't need to do is just ignore it. It is a very important thing. So the last question, why is baptism important? If it doesn't save you, but it's a picture of who we are, and we're supposed to do it, then why, why is it so important? A couple of things. Six things, actually. One, it's, there's, there's the obedience factor that Jesus says, to be baptized in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to learn to walk in the ways that he taught his disciples. And so there is this obedience thing that we all as Christians are brought to that point of, of being like, okay, it's, a, it's not really like an optional thing in, in that kind of way. You know? Like the call to come after him and deny ourselves, take up our cross daily and follow him, that's a part of it. And so there are plenty of people who don't want to get baptized because... Because it's like the spotlight, you know, it's awkward, it's whatever. It's, you're an adult and you should have done it a long time ago. And it, all those kind of things are just super lame. So you just need to work through that, that kind of stuff and understand that this is an obedient thing for us to do. Um, so it's important in terms of your obedience. Second one, it's important in that it, it is a public profession of what Jesus has done. So like I said, the primary thing is about God's yes to us in Christ. And that in Christ, we have passed through the waters of judgment safely and are raised to walk in new life. But a part of that is that baptism happens out in the open. Like there's a reason why churches and church architecture kind of in different stages went through to where like you could see the baptistry because it was supposed to happen in front of everyone. And people got baptized in rivers and lakes and in this thing where it's not a private ceremony, it's a public thing. And even in times where that meant your death, or your uh, excommunication from your family, it was still something that was participated in because there is a public profession that we are called to. Um, and that really ties in with the next, the next thing. It's, the third one, it ties you into this like local and global and eternal family. It is this covenant family thing. It's like, no, we're people who have, who have all passed through the waters. You know, it's not like a, 
not a rite of passage in some sort of way of like, well, until you do this, you really haven't accomplished anything, but it is a part of, of you showing everyone, like, yeah, this is the family I'm a part of. We've all done this. We've all gone through these waters together. Fourth thing, it's a tangible moment that you can reference when things get difficult. And your faith, those trials are going to come, and probably every believer in this room has had different points where they've wondered if they were really saved. You know, you're like, man, if I'm still battling this, then maybe I'm not really a Christian, or I wonder if my salvation was real, and I wonder if all those things were real because I'm struggling so much. And you have this, like, but this moment that God can bring you back to. It's like, no, but I descended into the waters, and I was submerged like Jesus, and I was raised to walk in newness of life. It's this tangible thing that the Holy Spirit can bring you back to to remind you of what he's done. Fifth thing, it's a picture of the gospel that encourages the church. I'll never forget the first time we baptized people at the ring as a college ministry. It was the most electric worship service I've been to up to that point for sure. And probably since then, it's definitely in the top five. The room, it was like, you could just feel it. It was insane. And when, and we've tried to hold on to that. And I do feel like every time that we baptize people, it has been unique. It's been exciting. It's, it's supposed to push the church forward. And the reason it pushes the church forward, last thing, it reminds us that Jesus is alive. That when you're sitting out there and you look at someone go beneath the waters and come back up again, a part of what God is doing is speaking to the deep parts of you. The deep parts of you are connecting to the deep parts of him and saying, yes, that's real. Salvation is real. Jesus is real. He really died. The power of God really raised him from the dead. He really ascended to heaven. He really is interceding for you. He really is coming again. He really is the king, the prophet, the priest. He really is everything that you believe he is and hope he is and will be forever. It's completely real. That's why we love baptism services. Not because they're just like happy and it's a happy occasion. It's because it's speaking to the deepest parts of us that says Jesus is alive. You just saw it happen. You just got reminded of the most important thing that you can grab onto. So yeah, it's important. Even though it doesn't play an active role in your salvation, it's important. That's why he gave it to us, to practice, to do this over and over again. And some of you with young ones, you're going to have the privilege of watching your kids go into the water one day. And you're going to lose your mind. (laughs) And some of you are probably feeling stirred about your own baptism. Maybe you haven't been baptized at all. Well, let's talk about that. Maybe you were baptized when you were little, but you're feeling unsure about it. Well, talk to Jesus about that, and then talk to me later. But baptism is a beautiful gift to the church. And I hope that, uh, even with the mic falling off my ear constantly, I hope that maybe we have a kind of a clear picture going forward of the importance of that. And so we're going to respond a couple ways like we've been doing. If you want to come and pray, I want to encourage you, like these steps are not like special necessarily, but sometimes, sometimes there's something about putting, like making it physical somehow. Coming down and kneeling, you know. So this will be open to you. We're going to sing a little bit. Communion will be down here. What a beautiful way to respond to, to the fact that baptism is about resurrection and to come to the table and Jesus is offering you the body and blood.
It's representing something that has happened and is happening and will happen and just the coming together of all those things. And we'll sing. We'll just kind of give it a, a few minutes of response before we pray and, and go.